Today, we are cooling global warming on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. There's an irony to my topic today because I have spent the last 48 hours uh, just trying to keep my driveway open. Now you may say I'm just been there's been a lot of snow and so we're just plowing and moving snow. No, um, there has been so much snow, and I have one of these you know quarter mile long winding driveways. Uh, I'm literally trying just to keep it open because not only in the last 48 hours have we had something between 13 and 16 inches of snow, uh, but there's also been wind all week. And when we live out in the country like we do, uh, the driveway tends to blow shut. And so I have spent the majority of my week um, just on my four-wheeler and my plow trying to keep things open. Uh, It's been quite the challenge. And so it's no real surprise that the topic of global warming (laughs) has come to the forefront of my mind because here in central Minnesota, there is nothing further from the truth. I know it's a bigger topic than just what's happening in our little region, but we can't help but uh, be focused on the weather Lately, It's interesting because down in the Twin Cities, where we were just this last weekend, it was 50 degrees and there's grass showing there. And we just drive two hours north and it is like the polar ice caps up here. And so we have been working nonstop just to move the snow and we're really literally running out of places to put it. And so I can't remember having this much snow before. I remember winters that have gone on long and uh, and seem to be kind of unrelenting and even into April. Um, but the amount of snow that we have uh, here this year has been staggering, which has made me think of the topic about global warming You know, we've covered a lot of different things um, and important topics, uh, but in the first two seasons of Pushback, I haven't really gotten to some of these uh, buzzword topics such as global warming. And it's important that we talk about it again uh, as from a Christian standpoint, from a scientific standpoint. So I'm going to put a little bit of my science hat on here today as well. I don't want to bore you with um, the minutiae of the details of the science. But again, uh, our, my heart in this podcast is to talk about culture and, and, and the cultural ways that we can think scientifically. And it's very interesting because some of the, the global warmists and the um, climate change uh, proponents will often um, describe us maybe Christians or those who um, are skeptical about some of the science that's there as anti-science. And that's always kind of offensive to me because it's uh, it's always interesting and talked about this at, at a previous podcast that when it comes to name calling, when it comes to getting vicious and angry about something, it usually means that your position isn't very strong because you can certainly let the evidence 
quote unquote, speak for itself. The problem is, is that the evidence doesn't speak for itself. And so because of that, uh, they try to back you down and try to tell you that you're anti-science. Well, as a physician, as, as those in our household who um, are scientists, um, I, I reject that notion. And in fact, what we're looking for is actual real science um, backed up by evidence and real evidence. And that seems to be basic. And so I won't apologize for that. And, uh, and so I think it's important that we break down. It might surprise you a little bit about what I say today um, because um, – I believe that climate change is real and we'll tell you why. Um, but uh, we have to put it in perspective in regards to who we are and the history and the origin of why we're here on this planet. So it's always good to frame it. And I'm hoping again to give you some talking points. So if this comes up at the dinner table or at work or different things that way, when you are trying to get into work during a snowstorm and you're shaking your fist and say, I don't believe in global warming, which is most of the people in Minnesota right now, um, then it's important that we are able to talk about it. Um, you know, I, I'm reading a few articles. I, I like to quote Answers in Genesis, uh, which takes a biblical worldview and, and runs science through the filter of a biblical worldview. It's not anti-science. It's very pro-science, and it gives us that perspective. Um, but I was reading some um, secular articles as well because I, I always want to get so, sort of, quote-unquote, the other side and see what the other scientists are saying. Uh, one paragraph, it says, up until recent times, we heard certain politicians and others warning about global warming, but one hasn't heard that term for quite a while now. And with recent wintry weather in the United States, hello, global warming would not be the way to describe what's happening. I can, I can second that notion. The term we hear now is climate change, climate change. And so it's interesting, um, when we talk about climate change, I do believe that things are changing. I want to just spend a few minutes, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, just talking about sort of the four or five arguments for climate change and four or five arguments against. And I think it will somewhat surprise you. Um, you know, the climate specialists run computer simulations based on assumptions about the past. And I want to talk about that before I get into these um, arguments, because I think it's really important to understand or to break this down. Observational science works in the present. So please kind of dig into this a little. Observational science works in the present. It is observable, testable, and repeatable. But historical science deals with the past and therefore is not directly observable, testable, or repeatable. So how do you interpret the observational science will be based on what you believe about the historical science? Hopefully this sounds familiar with you because this is the exact same information that I gave regarding creation versus evolution. Do you start with man's word that the universe has been around for billions of years and that the present is the key to the past? Or do you start with God's word that teaches a young universe and an earth that was radically altered by a relatively recent global flood? The observational evidence shows that climate change is real. It's real. The things that we're seeing right now is, yeah, there's been some climate change. It hasn't been dramatic, but there's been change. And so we can say, yeah, climate change is real. But what is the reason for it? I think that is the key. 
So climate specialists run these through these programs based on assumptions about the Earth. And the assumptions that they're making is that the Earth has been relatively stable for 10,000 10, plus years. And because of that, now that we're seeing some climate change and fluctuation, it has to be because of man's influence, carbon dioxide emissions, and the greenhouse effect. So they have to come to that conclusion because they, they are using their simulations based on their assumptions about the past, about historical science, that says that because things have changed uh, and, and things had been stable prior to that, that there has to be a man influence to this. Unfortunately, many politicians and environmentalists take such imperfect climate simulations and claim them to be fact. And this is problematic. This also, also should sound familiar with our evolution conversation, that people are making assumptions about the past that they've never seen, been able to reproduce or observe, and yet they're calling it fact. You go into any museum, secular museum, and it will be absolute fact. And my friend, that is anti-science. That is anti-science. I'm going to say it one more time. That is anti-science. <laughs> when you make claims that are not repeatable or provable and call it fact. That is not what science is. So a couple arguments. Argument number one, a rise in sea level. In the past decade, the global mean sea levels have doubled compared to the 20th century trend of 1.6 millimeters per year, and it's accelerating slightly every year. Argument number two, a rise in Earth's average temperature. Um, tracking global atmospheric temperatures since the 1800s, scientists point to a steady rise with a stronger period in the 70s, a lull in the 90s, and a slightly rising again in the 2000s. Since the 19th century, the planet's average surface temperature has risen about 1.6 degrees. Now that's since the 1800s. It's risen 1.6 degrees. And then they say a change driven largely by increased carbon dioxide and other human-made emissions into the atmosphere, which is absolutely conjecture and has absolutely no facts to back that up. And this is what we need to critically read some of these articles. Argument number three, a rise in ocean temperature. The five highest years on record for annual ocean heat content are between 2015 and 2019. Uh, the data reveal that the world's oceans were the warmest in recorded human history in 2019. Now, please also keep in mind, it's important that we read these critically, recorded human history, meaning that there was a lot of human history that has not been recorded. So we have absolutely no idea. And so when they say it's the warmest ever, we don't know that. We don't know that. They talk about uh, shrinking glaciers. Glaciers are very dynamic. Um, there was times when glaciers advanced, times when glaciers retreated, uh, but they're saying that overall uh, glaciers are shrinking. Ocean acidification, say that three times fast. Ocean acidification. Since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the acidity of surface ocean waters has increased about 30%. This is resulting in an increase of algae blooms and mass fish deaths, as well as a change to chemical composition of the water. And all I can say to that is, ew, nobody wants that. That sounds horrible. So when we talk about arguments against global warming and climate change due to man's influence, 
we actually look at the same evidence, but we're actually drawing different conclusions. And again, a lot based on our on what we believe about the origins of humankind, but more than that, based on good, sound science. Argument number one, no significant or prolonged temperature changes since 1997. The natural variability in volcanic eruptions and relatively low solar activity, the rate of average global surface warming from 1998 to 2012, were slower than it had been for the two to three decades leading up to it. That raised the slowdown into a slogan, global warming stopped in 1998. <laughs> so we're not actually seeing this global warming, and that's why they have changed it from global warming to climate change, because, oops, I guess we're not seeing what we anticipated that we were going to see. So they actually changed it and renamed it to something a little bit more vague, like climate change, which we're not arguing with. Argument number two, not enough historical data available. And I think that this is the key. So please listen. Advocates also points towards the fact that a recent gathering, listen, of 31,000 scientists in the field of environmental science couldn't reach a consensus on whether or not global warming is real. My friends, don't listen to the politicians and don't be insulted by those who are calling us anti-science. These are 31,000 scientists, all of which could not reach a consensus. The data is unclear. They believe they don't have long-term historical climate data or the data they have isn't clear. My friends, end of discussion. This is not clear. This is not um, something that we can hang our hat on in regards to the data that we would need to make these large conclusions. This one kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. Arctic ice has increased by 50% since 2012. Does that surprise you? Do you remember those pictures on Life magazine of the polar bear, you know, stuck on the melting uh, Arctic ice caps? And we all were like, oh boy, here we go. All the ice caps are melting. Well, they've actually increased in volume by 50% since 2012 alone, which based on the weather here in Minnesota lately, I am not surprised. <laughs> Core measures of the Arctic ice show that it has increased in volume since 2012, which argues against global warming causing ice caps to melt. Argument number four, climate models used are proven to be unreliable. So even some of these computer-generated products, um, some of these, um, these measurements that they've been using, um, basically have been very unreliable, making long-term predictions completely meaningless. Some, some scientists even argue that any increase in global temperatures could just be natural climate shift. And my friends, that's my heart in regarding, in regarding this conversation. I don't think we need to close our eyes to what other people are saying or even people who are being alarmists. Uh, uh, we can listen to them with honor about what they have to say. But we do have to understand that everything that we've been seeing so far can simply be described by natural climate shift. And other arguments like early predictions about the effects of warming have been proven wrong. And I have a whole list of these that I'm not going to go into any great detail except for this one. Al Gore predicted that all Arctic ice would be gone by 2013. <laughs> but on contrary, Arctic ice is up by 50% since 2012. So he was wrong and he should come out and say that he was wrong. It's okay to make predictions and it's okay to be wrong. But it's also okay to be forthright about being wrong. 
So to be considered proof of a hypothesis, the studies have to be able to be replicated by others and produce the same results. With global warming, studies analysis of decades of weather data is often used. The first problem is that the weather data from 100 years ago wasn't kept to modern standards of evidence. So my friends, this makes a big difference. So most of what is being argued, most of what we're being seen is saying, oh no, it's all carbon emissions that has, has been causing all of this climate change. That's what we hear every day on the news and from politicians um, and, and from sometimes radical environmentalists. But the point is, is that it has not been established as truth. And so to you, my listeners, I just want to make that clear that that has not been established. There is no consensus in this regard. And so it's important that we are able to filter some of these conversations and be able to talk about them. So I want to just read an article from Answers in Genesis, which I think is so important for us as Christians, because a lot of this can simply be explained by understanding and adhering to the Bible. There's evidence that climate change is indeed a real phenomenon. There was a period of global warming during the medieval days which dropped into a cooling trend known as the Little Ice Age. For the past 400 years, temperatures have been slowly climbing up from that chilly dip. But while the evidence shows that there has been and still is a change in the climate, the evidence does not speak for itself about what this change means. The data must be interpreted how should Bible-believing Christians interpret this evidence? Uh, secularists, secularists believe that the earth has existed for billions of years and that the earth's temperature has been stable for over 10,000 years since the end of the last supposed glacial period. Since the observational science shows that the earth's climate is now changing, these secularists assume that human activity must be the cause of this change. If this is true, then a changing climate is understandably a concern for them. But this model is built on unprovable assumptions about earth's history. Originally, there was a perfect creation, Genesis chapter 1 which would have included a perfect climate. However, this climate was radically changed when the surface of the earth was destroyed, reshaped, and rearranged by the global flood of Noah's day around 4,300 years ago. As the earth was settling from the flood, there was a transitional climate which included an ice age that covered 30% of the earth's surface in ice. This transitional climate slowly gave way to the present climate as the earth evened out from the after effects of the flood. Therefore, starting with a biblical model for Earth's history, we should expect variations in climate and temperature. I believe that this is a very effective way and tool to have a discussion with people where we can acknowledge that there is climate change. It's always good to find common ground in conversation. Say, so, yeah, I recognize that there is climate change. The question is, is has man caused it? Is it because of carbon emissions that this that what we're seeing is is happening? And so we can say, well, because we believe in Noah's flood and because we believe in the ice age, which secularists believe in as well, that we would expect to see over time climate change as we are still only hundreds of years from this mini, <coughs> excuse me, from this um a uh, smaller ice age that occurred about 400 years ago, we're still pulling out from that. So we would expect to see climate change from that. And so we can look at um, scripture and connect with it completely. 
I want to follow the bouncing ball here in regards to my driveway <laughs> because I think it's important that we connect these dots because is man responsible for climate change? And the answer is kind of in a sense because people who lived over 3,000 years ago because of the wickedness of their heart, God actually sent a flood and caused climate change to occur here on this earth. So in that regard, about 3,000 years ago, mankind was responsible for my driveway. <laughs> I told my family at lunch today, I want names. <laughs> I want to know who was responsible for this so that the Lord decided he needed to send a flood. But the flood led to an ice age, which has led to us pulling out of this ice age over hundreds of years, which is which is a completely understandable and a, and a reasonable explanation for climate change. Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. This is scripture, and we can take that to the bank. Now, with all that being said, in my heart, and this is just me speaking personally, I am an environmentalist. I bought land here in central Minnesota, and I've worked hard to clean it up and to take care of it. We actually installed a wind turbine and geothermal system in our home. So I do care about the earth. And as Christians, we ought to care, and we ought to care deeply about what God created for us in this beautiful place called planet Earth that he has actually not only given to us, but has actually commanded us to steward and to care for. And so I believe that there is absolute common ground that can be found in our heart attitude towards the environment. The last thing I would want by refuting some of the unsubstantiated claims, the last thing I would want is to be labeled a unenvironmentalist or someone who does not care about the environment. It couldn't be further from the truth from my mind. But we need to be able to sort through the facts and have intelligent, informed conversations about what is happening. Many of the measures that climate change alarmists propose, such as drastic changes in energy uses, Answers in Genesis goes on, will have far-reaching effects, especially on the less fortunate. It is therefore vital that we examine the worldview-based assumptions behind the interpretation of climate change before we make decisions about human behavior. I think there's just a lot of wisdom in that paragraph that we can understand that caring for the environment is important, but also replacing low cost fuels with high cost, extravagant, um, unreachable expectations and goals is actually going to kill and cripple our economy. And usually the less fortunate are the ones who are affected first. And if it's unsubstantiated and, and, and unproven, then we shouldn't make full-scale changes based on that alone. I am not for throwing things in the ocean and polluting our environment. Nobody is for that. Nobody is. But we have to make common sense understanding of the science. And, and we, even as Christians, have perspective, an important perspective, on this type of science. Now, there is so much more that can be talked about on this topic, and I would be super excited if you could send me other things that you know about this topic, climate change, global warming, creation versus evolution. 
uh, please go to GoFam. I'm sorry, go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org, and leave any comments or questions or just information that you think that I would like to know or be, would be willing to share here on my podcast. I know my mother-in-law will probably be putting things on my desk about this, and I and I welcome it. I think it's so interesting and important that we become informed and knowledgeable even on these topics. So pushbackculture.org, I look forward to hearing from you because we are here to, to steward this planet and it is such a privilege. So until next week, let's go together now to set and shape the culture. Music